How many of you have a vehicle that's got a GPS in it? You know, the screen right there in the center that you can, you watch the map as you're driving down. Does anybody in here have the one that talks to you? And 1.4 miles, turn left on Ignite North Boulevard, you know. Ignite uh, North? North Is Ignite. It? Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. We're, we're trying to get this street changed out here. <laughs> no, not really. Um, oh, we should. We yeah. definitely should. Great idea. Yeah. Somebody should do that. Inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, now every model of vehicle that we buy today isn't equipped with that. Not everybody's has one. Uh, but you've probably seen it if, you, you know, if yours doesn't. And... Uh, I got a question. What, what is this feature there for? What does it do? It helps you get to your significant destination. Wherever you're headed, wherever you're traveling to, it's trying to point you there and to, to get you there in the fastest way possible. Well, if you've noticed on any of these GPS, sorry, any of these GPS devices, they, are, they at first show you the whole map. Here's where you are. Here's where you're going. But then as you begin to travel, it kind of zooms in just to the little area that you're in, and it kind of follows with you as you go, not overloading you with the ton of information. It just gives you what you need from moment to moment to help you get there. Now, I want you to hold on to that thought, and I have a question for you. Do you feel or have you ever felt something pulling you to be or do something significant? to make a difference in the world, maybe to, maybe to improve your family's life or to, to be a blessing to your community or, or maybe a different, you, you have a pull to be a difference maker in the entire world for, for generations to come. My guess is that you have. At the very least, you've had this happen once or twice in your life or maybe you felt it, something deep inside kind of tugging uh, all the time. Uh, a lot of times, we, we, that, that presents itself by us taking our pictures, selfies on, put it on Facebook all the time, like everybody really cares what we do 24-7. Um, now, hey, you know, if you do that, fantastic, but why do we do things like that? We think it's because God put something in our hearts, and, and some of us, sometimes it goes a little crazy, you know, I don't really care what Ed does 24-7, but but there are things in our lives and things that God put in us that are significant. And we can have a life that is significant, that really matters, and really makes a difference. Here's why we think we were drawn this way. Ecclesiastes 3.1, God has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. It's a, it's a sense of purpose, purpose and significance, a sense that there's a bigger picture that we're part of than just my, my day-to-day life. I feel... I, I have to feel and I have to believe that I'm part of a bigger plan that God has. Now, this desire for significance, it comes standard in every model of person. And I know the GPS in your vehicle, it's not in every vehicle, but this, this desire to be significant, it's standard in every single one of us. And it shows our route. It kind of helps us get to the destination we're trying to go to. This, this, this drive to be significant Kind of, it directs us and pushes us that way. You know, it's turn left here today, stay in the left three lanes tomorrow. You know, it, it's helping us to get there. Now, and instead of um, overloading you with information, this, this drive kind of just gives you a little bit at a time, day by day, moment by moment, something pushing you or pulling you, whichever way, 
to give you what you need in that, that very moment. Now, God plants the desire to be significant in your heart. And then he also wants to plant seeds in your life that'll grow and help you fulfill those desires at every moment. And these seeds we're talking about, uh, we're calling them seeds of significance, and we're talking about it in this series. We have been using, over the last few weeks, the stories of a guy named David. Just a quick synopsis of David. Uh, When he was young, he was picked to be the next king of Israel. And then he went back and kept kept running his dad's sheep, kept, kept being a, 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 a rancher of sorts for a little while. Well, a little bit of time passed, and David, as a boy, goes out and kills a giant soldier, literally a giant soldier for, for the good guys, when all the other people were, were afraid. And then, as he grows up, he becomes part of the military, and he wins battle after battle after battle. He leads his troops, and he's a, just a, a, an amazing uh, military leader. Well, then the the king of the day gets jealous that David is succeeding and these other people are noticing it. And so eventually the the king says, I'm going to kill him. I've had enough of this little guy. You know, he's going to take over. I know he's supposed to be the next king and I don't want him to take over. So he like throws a spear at him one day, tries to kill him. And then he hunts him down for years trying to end his life. Well, through all of this, David becomes or has a very significant impact, a very significant life, even though he obviously faces some things that are rough. Well, today, we're going to add another seed of significance to this discussion and still looking at David's life. We're actually going to look at two different stories, two different times in his life when David did something, when he began to cooperate with God, and that helped him get to where he was going. All right, the background for the first story is this. David and his men have been hiding from Saul, but now Saul has died. He has been killed in battle, and so God gives David direction. Now, the context in which they lived was the nation of Israel had 12 tribes, each named after a son. And so these 12 tribes each had their region in the country of Israel to live in. All right? And so God told David, go to the land of Judah. He's saying, go to Israel and live in this particular place. And so David and his men all go to Judah, and they settle in the town of Hebron. And you can imagine, they're getting excited, like, wow, we're back into Israel. I wonder what God's going to do. And so after they're there, all the leading men of this region of Judah come to David and say, you're our guy. We know God wants you to be king of all Israel. We want to make you king of Judah today. Be our leader. And so David says, sure. (laughs) Right? Everybody would pretty much. And yet, that's all that he gets. All that he gets is to be king of Judah. You might think, okay, this is the beginning. God's going to bring the whole thing together, and he's going to become the king of all Israel. You would think that, but that's not what happens yet because God wants to plant another seed of significance into David's life. God wants to help him grow even more so he can have an even more significant life. So the other 11 tribes, instead of going to David and saying, we know you're the guy, no, no, no. They put their own guy on the throne, and they start fighting against Judah and David. So you've got 11 tribes fighting one tribe. 
And that, the odds are pretty bad, right? Well, like Chad said earlier, David was a great leader, and Judah held their own. And they fought for year after year after year. They fought for seven years. And David still is just the king of Judah. I can imagine David just thinking, really, God? I mean, this is great, but now I've got to fight, and I've got to fight my fellow Israelis. It was a civil war. And yet it went on year after year after year. But we read in the Bible that Judah got stronger and stronger, and the rest of Israel got weaker and weaker. So then one day, David gets some news that these guys want to see him. And these men come walking into his presence, and they have the head of the king of all the tribes of Israel. They murdered this guy and cut off his head and brought it to David, thinking, David's going to love us because now he can be king of everything. We did it. We can say we put David in his place as king. Let's look at what David says. David says to these guys, you deserve to be punished, you wicked men who kill a righteous man in his own bedroom. Don't you imagine that now I'll make you answer for his blood with your own and wipe you from the face of the earth? That wasn't the way to fight a battle, and David wasn't going to have it. And he's saying to these guys, that's not what I wanted. And as a matter of fact, you're going to now have to pay for your crimes. So David wasn't grasping after anything, but now this has happened. So what's he going to do? The 11 tribes don't have a leader, and people everywhere, not just in Judah, know David's supposed to be the guy. So, so what, what's David do? Just kind of imagine for a minute. I, I could see him th- meeting with his staff, you know, like a president, and saying, we should send a peace delegation, you know, or maybe we should attack because they're all over there mourning over the loss of their king. What, what could we do? Well, whether or not they had that conversation, that's not what David did. What David did was just to keep on doing what God had said to do. Keep on being a good king of Judah. So even though these other tribes are without a king, David is just waiting on God, okay? Now let's look at what happens while David's waiting. Israel's leaders met with David at Hebron. These leaders of Israel came to him. Somehow they communicated, hey, let's meet and talk. And so David is meeting now with the leaders of all the rest of the tribes of Israel. And look what these leaders say to David. We are your relatives. Even when Saul was king, you led our nation in battle. And the Lord promised that someday you would rule Israel and take care of us like a shepherd. Wow. (laughs) Can you imagine David hearing that from those leaders? Like, wow, you you recognize what, what God's called me to be. So let's finish it. During the meeting, David made an agreement with the leaders and asked the Lord to be their witness. He was now the king of Israel. After all these years, on the run, living in caves, and then when he became king of Judah, that war lasted seven years. But now finally, these guys have come to him. David's life becomes very, very significant. So what can we learn about from David What can we learn from this experience? We believe that living a significant life requires us to cooperate with God, to cooperate with God. We're spelling it this way with a dash in there to try to emphasize that it's it's two parts. It's me and God. I'm cooperating with what he wants me to do. He doesn't want to just do things in our life independent of us. He wants us to connect and cooperate with him. Now, in this case of becoming king of all Israel, 
It's really interesting that David's part was very little. Just hang in there, son. And then God brought the leaders to him, and then he became king. So as he cooperated with God, God did amazing stuff in his life. But again, his job was just to keep doing what he knew to do, keep doing the last thing that God had directed him to do, and focus on that. Here's a Bible verse that talks about this attitude. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. As we've seen in the life of David, he was really, really tempted to give up. I mean, it was so understandable on the run for his life, and it was not his fault. It was unfair and unjust, but he didn't. He didn't give up, and this verse is wanting to help us here to realize if we'll hang in there and keep on doing what is good, we will eventually have that blessing like a farmer plants the crops and eventually has the harvest. That's the picture here, a harvest of blessing. So as we're cooperating with God, something happens that really helps us, okay? Cooperation helps us be patient with God. While we're waiting on the next thing, as we're cooperating and just focusing on the now thing, then I can be patient. David had to be patient for seven years to become king of all Israel, but he was, and God put it together. So what does that look like? What does it look like to cooperate with God? Simply keep doing the last thing you knew to do. Probably you have a sense of some things God wants you to focus on, to be doing now. It might be in your family, your work, community, church, whatever, but you probably have a sense of something, yeah, I really need to kind of give myself to this. Well, as we cooperate with God, we can become patient by continuing to do that last thing we need to do. That's what David did, and that led to great blessings. So, David goes on to have a 40-year reign as king. He had his ups and downs. He made some mistakes, but he also did a lot of great stuff too. But overall, everybody would admit or agree that David had a very, very significant life. All right, story number two with David. Um, Let's start a few hundred years before. There was a guy named Moses. And you may, you may have heard of him before, and he was the, the guy with the Ten Commandments, let my people go, this Moses. Well, God uh, told Moses to build this box, and they, they called it the Ark of the Covenant. It's a very special box that they built, and in that day, it was where the presence of God was, was this, this box, a very, very ornate, very special. And you might have seen this box before on Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, have you, if you've ever seen that movie, um, they took actual, they weren't actual pictures, but they, <laughs> they, they built an ark to kind of what they thought it would look like. They got this from the Bible, the, all the, 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 the design and everything. And uh, let me see, how many of you saw the movie? You know, they got their faces melted off when they opened it and they weren't supposed to. I'm not really sure that would happen, but this is the ark we're talking about. And uh, inside it were the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments that God had written. And so he built it. And for centuries, the Israelites kept this box with them. It went everywhere. It, most of the time, it was with them. Sometimes it wasn't, and that's when things didn't go good. But they, they kept it with them, and they kept it in a special tent, you know, a very special area of the tent, because it was where God's presence was. Well, 
We fast forward to David, and he's now the king of everything, of, or of all Israel, and he's living in a palace that's fit for a king. And so it's very, you know, amazing place he's living, and he looks out, you know, and he sees uh, this tent that God's presence, this Ark of the Covenant, has been staying in for all this time. And he's like, hey, um, man, I think God deserves something better than what I have. I'm living in a palace, and that's in a tent. Maybe I should do something about that. Well, let's, let's pick up here, First Chronicles chapter 17. King David was now living in his palace, and one day he sent for a prophet, the prophet Nathan. This guy, was, this guy talked to God and then told David what he said. And he said to Nathan, Here, I'm living in a house built of cedar, but the Lord's covenant box is kept in a tent. Nathan answered, do whatever you have in mind because God is with you. So the truth is, Nathan didn't go talk to God about this. He just said, ah, David's probably got a pretty good idea. I think God should have something special. So yeah, you do whatever you want. God's going to be with you. So David's being appreciative of what God has done. He's like, hey, I want to make do something special for him. And that night, God talks to this guy, Nathan, and says, hey, uh, go tell David no. Go tell him, no, I don't want you to do that. Now, he didn't stop there. He added a little bit to that. He, he said, you know, um, I don't want him to build it, and here's why. And then he says, but I'm going to give David kind of a name to last through, through the ages. He's going to have a family dynasty that's going to go on. He'll have one of his descendants on the throne. This was God's plan. David's plan was to build a really fancy place for the, for the Ark of the Covenant to be. God had a better Plan. Well, so he, he goes and he, he tells him, hey, no, uh, you, you can't do what you were planning. God has a different plan. And by the way, that plan's really good for you. So if you can imagine, that all sounds good. And us sitting here looking back today, we're like, well, of course, of course, God had a better plan. You follow God's plan. I mean, that's easy to look back and see that's what he should have done. And, and that is what he did. But if you just imagine for a second that you were there, you're like, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to make this beautiful place. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to probably be the king that made the great place for the Ark of the Covenant. And, and then God says, no, throw your plans out. I have different ones. And they're good for you, by the way. You might get your feelings hurt. Matter of fact, that might have happened to you. And your feelings might have been like, oh, wait a minute. I was going to do that for God. And he said, no, way, way, way. Well... <laughs> Sorry, that just came, I don't know where that came from. Uh, from the heart. Bro. Yeah, I guess so. So, um, but let's see what, let, let's read what, what happened. Second Samuel chapter 7. Then King David went into the tent of the Lord's presence and sat down and he prayed. Sovereign Lord, I'm not worthy of what you've already done for me, nor is my family. He knows, he recognizes, you know, God's done a lot in his life. You made me promises about my descendants in the years to come, and you let a man, Nathan, see this, sovereign Lord. What more can I say to you? You know me. You know my problems. You know, you know everything about me, your servant. It's like David is saying, you really want to you really do this for me? I mean, you know I probably don't deserve it. I was trying to do something for you. I had a plan in my head, but okay, God. Let's go with yours. He kept, kept talking, kept praying. You've made this wonderful promise to me. I ask you to bless my descendants so they'll continue to enjoy your favor. You, sovereign Lord, have promised this and your blessing will rest on my descendants forever. So this is a great couple days. David comes up with this great plan. 
God tells him, nope. And then David processes that, and he goes straight to God about it and says, okay, God, you said no. You want to do something for me instead? I don't really deserve it, but you know what? Thank you. Thank you so much for all that you've done. And so he decides to cooperate with what God said. And I mean, it, it turned out pretty good. He ends up with a, 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 a dynasty. But here's the deal. Everything God planned for David hinged on whether or not David was going to cooperate. Uh, had he not, I don't, we don't know which way it would have gone. But it hinged on his cooperation. God planted this, this seed in his heart, and it was to grow for him to cooperate with him and have the life of significance that God planned. So here's what David did do. He followed along, and he, he did what God said. Now, he did like draw up the plans for this new building that they called it the temple for the, the Ark of the Covenant to be, and he gathered all the materials and all of the stuff, but he didn't build it. He waited. Well, fast forward about 30 years, and David dies. He never built it, never built a temple. And then shortly after his death, his son, Solomon, picked up the plans and built that temple. And it was a big deal. It was a really, really big deal. And if you take it back now and look, take back and look over history, God did everything he promised that he would do for David because David cooperated. David never saw the temple but he cooperated with God. And now you in here today, you might have heard a few of these phrases and they all come from the fact that David cooperated with God. For example, the capital city of Jerusalem uh, today, I mean, oh, the capital, capital city of Israel, which is Jerusalem uh, today, you might have heard it called this, the city of David. If you haven't, look it up. I mean, that, that's very commonly known as the city of David. You might have heard, you might have seen one of the, the Israeli flag with a star on it. That's called the star of David, right? And here we are, how many thousands of years later? And here, here's one more. In, if you've been in church and kind of uh, Bible circles for a while, you might have heard Jesus being called the son of David, all of this happened because David decided, I'm going to cooperate with God, and it led to his life being significant then and even stretched all the way to now, thousands of years later. Here's something. It's in your notes. We get God's better ideas when we choose to cooperate with his plan. We can come up with decent plans, but God's plans are always, always better. Our life gets more and more and more significant as we let this seed of cooperation grow in our lives. So where are you guys at today? How are you doing in cooperating with God? Are you maybe struggling somewhere? I bet you there's folks here today that you're struggling with something that you know God wants you to do, a direction, a, you know, whatever. It might be a decision or something. But you, you just, it's just hard to cooperate sometimes. Well, I think we all go through that. And, and we all struggle at times to just keep cooperating day after day. We might have a crisis and get all serious and pray and all this and, you know, do okay. But then after a while, when life gets a little more normal, how do we keep day after day cooperating? Well, David had a secret, and I want you to look at it with me. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 8, this is what David wrote. 
I keep my eyes always on the Lord. He is at my right hand, so I will always be secure. That was his secret. He's saying, I keep my eyes on the Lord first and foremost. So it's like God is his focus in these other things that are in his heart, even things that he knows God wants. He, he may glance at them, but his, his focus is God first. And look at the rest of the verse. My eyes are on the Lord. He is at my right hand. So God's not only guiding him as he's, quote, looking to keep his eyes on God, but God's right beside him. And what's the result? So I will always be secure. All the challenges and big, big problems that David went through, this is what he knew, that if I'll just keep my eyes on the Lord, he'll be with me and he will strengthen me. And as we've seen in his life, that's just what God did. Now, Jesus talked about the same thing. Look how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. Your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need them. Pause there. So Jesus is speaking to them in the context of God's going to take care of you. And these were people who lived like day to day, you know, and, and their existence wasn't easy. But Jesus is telling these guys, hey, don't, you know, chill. God's got you. He loves you. He's going to take care of you. Now let's look at the rest of it. And he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. Jesus is saying your needs and things are legitimate, but the way for God to bless you is for you to put him first. Let him be your focus in life. And as we make God our primary focus and let him be the boss, then we can cooperate with him daily, regularly. It becomes a habit for us. So to summarize all of our message together, we want to give you a conclusion. Cooperate with God and you'll get his best. Cooperate with God and you'll get his best. Now today you may have small areas in your life where you are actually struggling to cooperate with God. Or you might, it might be the entire area of your life that you're struggling to cooperate with God. The good thing is God's the one that does the work. It's, it's cooperating. I want to just connect with what God's doing. And it, if you're struggling, it could be that you've never purposefully decided you're going to cooperate with God. It could be that you, you've never really connected to God and said, you know, God, I want you to lead my life. I need you to take me where I need to go. I, I don't know what I'm doing. God, will you, will you grab hold of me? Will you lead me? Can I be part of your family? Can, you know, your, your legacy and the, what God, the significance of your life hinges on you cooperating with God, cooperating and doing things with him. That's huge. That, that, that's so huge. And so if, if you've never even thought of that, it's that simple. God, lead my life today. Take me where you want me to go. I'm gonna turn my, I'm gonna turn the reins over to you today. Now, it could be that you're realizing you've been really working to trying to go God's way, but you've struggled from time to time. Well, we're, we're all gonna struggle because we're not perfect, but the great thing is, again, God does the work. I just wanna connect. I wanna connect with God and say, God, take me where you want me to go. It's natural to want to be significant, and it's natural to say, I've got it figured out myself. I think I can handle this one, God. 
But even in those times, it's, it's, it's better for us to say, God, I'm going to connect to you. Let me go with the direction you're going, like David. David could have decided to make himself king and fought. He didn't do it. He waited. He, he could have went ahead and built that special building and made, you know, looked really good, and everybody would have probably said, man, David did an awesome job. He thanked God. But instead, he waited. And his significance grew and grew and grew because of it. The best way to cooperate with God is to keep doing what he said to your heart. He's got it figured out for you. Your life can be massively significant if you connect with God today, if you cooperate with God. Y'all stand up with me. We want to remind you of some things before we pray for you this morning. The first is this. Uh, if you are a guest and you got one of those yellow cards, would you please make sure you fill that out and hand it to somebody at that guest cart? They want to give you that gift. Say, thanks for coming. We're looking for people to smoke the brisket for Smokehouse Sunday. There's a little piece of paper out there. Go put your name on it. And we need people to, you know, be the, be the pit master in charge. We also need people to be there to put wood in the thing. I mean, so we'll, we'll take you. We'll give you a name tag if that will help. We'll print you a name tag. I was the pit master of Ignite Church. I mean, whatever you want, we, we will do it. We've got one big pit already. Uh, we possibly need one more to, because you know, look at the people in here. That's a lot of food. But we, we want to take care of it all for you. So if you have a, a big pit that you could get a hold of, that would be great. Just let us know on that paper. And finally, if you need, came this morning need, needing personal prayer, you want somebody to pray with you, there will be folks on either side of the stage when we head out of here today. They will take the time to pray for you personally. They, they, these folks love to care for people, and they will do that for you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done for us. God, we want to cooperate with you. Every one of us in here wants to lead and live a life of significance, and we just pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you help us to experience your love today. We want you to take us where you want us to go, and I just pray that this week we begin to latch on to things and connect to you in ways that that we haven't before. Help us to just grab hold of stuff we never grasped. And all because you're so good to us. I pray that you would bless each and every person this week. Help us to hear you clearly and bring us back next week ready to hear the things that you want to say to our heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.